Previously on the Soulless Serial. The group traverses through the grove. Kind of had magic when I was younger. I never really nurtured it, I guess. I know Feste, leader of Misfortune, and he studied magic. I'm sure that if you were interested in maybe studying that, it might be something to look into when you get to the surface. You remember those seeds that I planted in the back? Well, yeah, of course I remember those. That was, that was the last day that I saw you. Part of the thing that Belak would talk with some of the goblins, it's exactly how important it is for them to spread those seeds. I do believe I can ask something of a fellow knight. Ask away. He pulls and unsheaves the blade that he used to fight you. This is Shatterclaw. If by any reason I do have to stay back, I would like you to bring this back to the temple. It would be my honor, but rest assured, I will do everything in my power to ensure that no harm comes to you or Faith. Back to the Arboretums, towards the Garden of Daphne. My muse, my wife, she really likes flowers, and I think it'd be very nice to bring her some from here. I think I can spare one or two, yes. Maybe Mom's rest be willing to help us integrate where you're not forced to hide. If we appeared with a goblin community, they probably would react thinking that it's a horde attack. It's something that we would need to prepare for. Can I do a check? Faith looks weak. Yeah, I was going to ask if I could also do that. Knowing her, she is looking a bit thinner compared to last time you saw her. Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storyteller's Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Citadel, an epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, hope. Will our adventure survive to descent into the dungeon? Or is there a dark and calamity taking root far from the sun's reach? Hey, guys, I don't want to ask too much of us, but would it be okay if we took a little bit of a break after all that climbing and everything else that we've been getting up to today? It's It's been a lot, and I think we could use something to eat and sitting down for a couple of minutes. Well, maybe depending on how things go in with the goblins, you know, we could rest there, it might be somewhat safer. Just for a little bit, I, I don't think we should spend much time down here. I agree completely, you know, and I, I do want to get out of this place, but I don't really want someone falling over. So Bradsborn speaks up to That is what I was about to say too. Do you think it is a good idea, if we have to take a break, to take just a small one? It's just that he looks as Faith, breathing a bit heavily. The two of us have been here long enough, and I do not feel safe about us being here so close to the goblins. And then he looks at flowers. Please do not take offense. It's just that we suffered a lot. Flower nods. Yeah, from what Faith said, 
I don't expect Tom's rest to immediately take on the community, but maybe it's something that we could bring up and see if it's possible when the community's prepared for it. Well, Flower, if you'd like to take the lead on this. Flower doesn't, but he will nod and he'll start leading the group towards where we can go to the Goblin Tribe. As you guys approach the door, Sir Bradford speaks up. If I may, could it be possible for me and Faith to stay inside of this room, maybe behind the door, so that if complications arises, we may jump in to help, but not to seem like to the Goblins that we have come here for retribution. I don't want to aggravate the situation. I suppose that makes sense. Uh, will the two of you be alright on your own, or would you like one of us to stay and help guard you? Ricky comes up and says, I can stay here. Yeah, uh, that that should be fine. Uh, before we move on, Mortis reaches into his bag and takes out two rations, and he hands them to Faith and Sir Bradford. Here, while the two of you are waiting, you should have something to eat. She looks like flesh and bone. The two chuckle, maybe out of embarrassment, but they take the rations and they go, Oh, thank you, Sir Mortis. Nothing like a pick-me-up, right? And uh, Sir Bradford nods and goes, Thank you, I appreciate it. And Seeker is going to hand their water skin over to Faith. And uh, you should you should also have some water, because dehydration is probably just as bad as starving. And I know Mom and Dad would be very, very displeased if they learned that I let you become dehydrated. Faith accepts it with a smile on her face. Still kind of odd to see her, although smile so kindly like she used to, still see those small cracks and rough skin that she still has since the battle downstairs in the garden. You guys open the door towards the next room. If it was able to be noticeable just as you got too close to the door, now it is blatantly noticeable. The noises of commotion. As you guys open the door slowly, you see that the world on the other side is that of speed, hurrying, and chaos. As the goblins, all of them, are quickly and almost desperately packing up. They're getting everything and putting on makeshift wagons, things that they haven't even been prepared for. But they're clearly doing things so that they can move some way. Can I play a very loud sound on my hurdy-gurdy to catch people's attentions? You're about to start playing your instrument when at least 14 goblins detach themselves not only from the chaos in front of you guys, but from the sides of this room that you guys may not have had time to fully observe before taking in the chaos in front of you. They are all at least 25 feet away from you, pointing arrows that are fully prepared to shoot. These goblins, you can see without rolling, are afraid. Their aims are a little bit off, but that is because of the shivering that you can see on the tips of every single arrow. They are young goblins, and some of them do shout at you in goblin something. Things that Flowers understands as You stop right there! Don't move! We will shoot! Even though Mortis obviously doesn't understand it, I feel like he sees between the lines and he holds his hands out in front of him, trying to appear non-threatening. This is an odd sense of deja vu. Oh yes, I would say so. And Methuselah is going to take out their dagger and rapier that they have literally never taken out, except for when they're showing that they're non-violent and, you know, peaceful. And they're going to put it on the ground. And then as they take a step back, 
They're going to play a very soft, faint, calming music on Yorick. I'll give my last bardic inspiration to Flo. The inspiration is given to flowers, although the music is cut short. As one of the little goblins in front of you broaches like two steps very rapidly, trying to poke you in the air in the distance with the tip of their arrows, screaming in goblin, something guttural, which Flowers understands as, Stop that! Stop that! I'll shoot! You see, I'll shoot! I'm gonna add to Methuselah playing the music is that their like arms are up in the air and their mage hands are just playing on Yorick. It's like, look, it's not me! It's not me! <laughs> Seeker is going to follow Methuselah's lead and they're going to remove the daggers from their boots and they're going to unsheathe their rapier and place them just down on the ground and put their paws up. Flower shakily approaches, not looking very confident with his own hands raised, pushing to the front of the group and, and in Goblin he'll say, there's nothing to be scared about. We're not here to hurt you. I'm, I'm here to talk. I'm gonna say that this took place almost at the same time, so that by the time that you finish saying this, Methuselah brings up their arms without their hands, while the hands continue to play. Half of the goblins, seven of them, are clearly focused on you, because you stepped up, Flowers. Meanwhile, the other half is focused on Methuselah, who has not stopped playing, but instead decided to show something much scarier to them. There is a moment of panic, as they don't know what to do. Gal doesn't seem to be anywhere in the area, and they are blankly scared. Can I roll intimidation? Natural <laughs> one. They are so scared by what is happening in front of them. The one that approached you honestly loses feeling on their leg. Falling backwards on their bum, but still somehow able to keep the arrow notched and ready. You see the eyes of panic as their pupils increases in size, just taking in whatever is going on. And they are about to scream, shoot at you, when out of nowhere. And as you guys are all looking at this one goblin who fell, and it seems that he's ready to shoot at you guys. Goblin hand takes up both the arrow and the bow from the hands of this one goblin in a one quick swoop just grabs it out of them and barks in goblin something as you guys look at this new goblin that popped up it's ringa you flowers understands this they are unarmed and you guys are pretty much falling back all scared they are not a threat but geld's orders were explicit protect the place from any intruders shoot first and bring back whatever it is that you shot well these guys are not a threat, we don't have to shoot them here. You go back, make sure that the other entrances are safe. And he points at three others. You and you, come with me, we can shoot at them on the other room and we can actually bring Geld whatever they have on them, as well as their carcasses. Let's go! And they are still kind of stunned. And then, in common, Ringut speaks louder. Move! Come on! And then they actually start moving around. Great majority of them going back to the chaos, while three others joins Ringa as Ringa approaches you, looks at flowers, and looks at the rest of you. Back to the room, and he nods towards the door that you just entered from. Come on, we'll kill you quite quickly. And he looks at flowers, giving more of a reassuring look. 
than anything else, which conflicts with his statement. Flower doesn't really know what to do, but he glances at everyone and gives them a little reassuring nod, and he'll start making his way out of the chaos. This is gonna lean closer to Flower and be like, I'm sorry about that. My music usually doesn't do that. That's normally, you know, the shade that does that sort of thing. Sorry. It's okay, let's just quickly go. Before you guys have a chance to grab your weapons, one of the goblins does grab it and carries it with them to the other room. Inside, Ringa brings you guys closer to the shaft without noticing Faith, Sir Bradford, and Erky on the other side of the door. Getting there, Faith, Sir Bradford, and Erky stay quiet on the corner, just waiting for the moment to pounce. Ringa looks at you guys and say, It's good to see you guys again. He looks at the goblins, Put your weapons down and give back their weapons. They are so confused, the goblins, looking amongst themselves, and in Goblin, one of them says, I know what Geld's orders were, Ringa speaks up. Come on, I'm telling you, they just killed Belak. Do you really want to face them? And they very scaredly put down their bows and arrows and gives back your weapons. Weird question, but how do you know we that we fought Belak? That was very recent. Was it the frog? did let a frog sort of pop away. Did he speak to you? Rinka's face is that of stunted confusion when he finally speaks up. No, uh, I assumed you killed Belak because you're alive. I suppose that's a fair point. And if you're talking about Belak's pet, the frog, it has a small little grotto area, like a little pond inside of the garden. Whenever it's scared, it runs to that little area. Does the frog have a name? I, I believe what Methuselah means to say is, uh, we, we've been on quite an adventure. <laughs> I can imagine. It's good to see you're safe, Orn. He nods. Um, what's going on? After you defeated Durna and Grunel, Geld came quickly back to the community, locked the door to this place and they ordered everybody to start the evacuation. We're back to the roads, apparently, until we're strong again to pillage. But this is not a bad thing, for now I have the opportunity to show to everybody that Geld is not as strong as he seems to bolster. Slowly, I hope to be able to change the mind of our youngins, as Geld is clearly showing a bit of fear and despair. I want to see Geld. You should not. I can't just let you guys go off. Listen, there's some real good people that can help the tribe so we don't have to live in fear. I'm afraid that if Gil just continues letting people be afraid, leading them with violence, that nothing will change. Someone, someone needs to really show that he's not a leader. He nods. I agree to that as of right now. I think it's best to let Gil just allow us to move from here. He is scared. He's not thinking, well, I'm afraid of what he might order the whole community to do if he sees you. Could you at least maybe give us a chance? At least that. We're, we're willing to put ourselves in, in danger for this. Because, you know, I don't think that it's fair for people to have to live like this. And I think Flower is right. Oh, I'm really happy for your dedication towards us. Have a strange. 
understand that this issue is not a thing you can change out of nowhere. This is a problem that is rooted in the belief that strength is everything. And that corrupted ideal needs to change from the inside first. What I hope is that I can still converse with you, Born. Geld has already shared with his most trusted and the most competent, which includes me, that during this time where we are supposed to hide in the wilderness, us, who were previously Durna's guards, are gonna serve as scouts and hunters to bring in food and supplies on wherever we can find. I don't know what your plan is for Nat's Thorn, but I would like to be able to see you in my hunts so that we can converse and plan how we can change this. I don't know if you plan to move away or far, but if you stay within this region, I could always make sure to occasionally meet you. Explain where we are, I'll let you know what's going on, any progress that I make. And maybe together we can actually change this. Maybe find a small grotto where we can thrive, or a forest that we can live peacefully without encouraging the world of the outside to see us as monsters like they do now. Flower nods and goes, what if only I talk to Gel? What if my friends stay here? Real concern washes over his face. I would be really afraid for that. He grabs her shoulder firmly, but not aggressively. It's just meant to grab onto something that he deems worthy, he deems precious to him. Please don't put yourself in danger like that. We can do better if I know you're safe. He nods and goes, The people of Tom's Rest, they're really good. Maybe we could find a way to start some sort of talk between you and I and their mayor. They're going to learn soon that I helped find their people who are trapped here. That will hopefully open up some trust. I hope that eventually, if there's a connection between Tom's Rest and our tribe, and we're peaceful, that we can kind of show others that we're not a danger to them. Maybe we could even move closer to Tom's Rest and show that people can accept us for who we are. Throughout this entire conversation, for the first time, Ringa does a genuine smile and nods. Yes, I think that could work, actually. Are you gonna stay there then? Flowers slowly nods. I I plan on at least returning there after I've helped finish up some business with my companions. I didn't really want to travel far anyways, and then I'll be able to have easier communication with you that way. He nods in agreement, then let's do this. Once we're situated somewhere, and on the first time I go off hunting, I shall go to the outskirts of Tom's Rest and leave a singular arrow stuck on one of the trees behind the temple. Can you see that arrow? Know that I'm ready to speak and we can meet so that you may know where the Huggleborn clan is and we can start planning about this. Please stay safe. Flower nods and he gives Ringa a big hug. Ringa hugs back, surprised that you took this initiative, but he's so happy to be able to make that connection with you. And after he notices that it has been long enough and Flowers is hugging but not as tightly now. He finally lets go, showing that he didn't really want to. And then he goes, all right, you guys run away from here. This place is not safe even with us here. So make sure you're safe. 
and uh, this is not the end for. Flower wipes some wetness from his eyes and nods back. He seems hesitant to leave, but then he gives a reassuring nod to everyone that we should get going. Before we depart, Mortis is going to walk up to Ringa. You are very brave, my friend. Beyond words, I urge you, keep pushing for peace. I truly believe that, with the help of Flower, you will be able to find stability for your people. Be well. Ringa nods in agreement. Thank you. And uh, thank you for keeping our looks at flowers and our wild flowers safe. Mortis smiles warmly. I shall continue to do so till my dying day. You have my word. And as you guys slowly walk away, Ringa turns to the other goblins and in Goblin, he starts to say in an authoritative voice, All right, what you guys saw here didn't happen. And if you want food to be given to you guys when we find a place to stay, you guys will also keep this to yourselves. Now let's go. We have to help protect the clan. And they nod very scaredly still and very confused. But they all go back to the same door. You guys then proceed further into the tunnels of the dark, sunless citadel. Thuzula is going to go to where Erki is. Erki, I was wondering if I could ask something of you. With a certain face of concern, he looks at you and goes, Of course, well, how can I help? You're a, a learned man and you see... I came here to find the Apple of Virtue for my my muse, because she's sick, and, you know, not bringing back the Apple, it doesn't change that fact. I still can't go home to her until I, I find something, and I know that it's been quite a time since I was alive, so I know that maybe knowledge has gotten bigger about certain illnesses, so I don't know how much you know, but I was wondering if you could come with me to, to find her and help me. I don't know what else to do. I've expended all my options. Right now, I just want to go and see her. I tell it to the others when we get out of here, but I can't go back to Tom's Rest until I, I see her. She's much closer to here than Tom's Rest, so it's much better for me to find her first. Erky with an intense seriousness to his eyes. He says, yes, although not my area of expertise, I do have considerable amount of knowledge about medicine. At least I think I can help. With Elirta's guidance, maybe even a few miracles can be done. I don't know what her ailments are, but understanding is the first step towards healing, and I'm more than willing to help you on that. Thank you. That means everything to me. She, She's my world, and I don't know what I'd be without her, so it means everything. Of course. Well, if I may confess something on you. Uh, of course, sure. And he hesitates a little. I don't think Crescenta is the only one that might need help. What do you mean? You guys spent a bit of time talking to the goblins, and that allowed me to take a closer look at both Sir Bradford and Faith. They don't seem to be catching their breath. They are looking weaker. And if I can say my opinion, they might need a miracle themselves. Maybe we need to kind of hurry towards Tom's rest, because they clearly need something. They don't seem to be doing well. You know, I noticed that a bit as well. I counted it on exhaustion. I'm not really used to that, so that's what I thought it was. But I, I suppose, do you think they're going to 
make it? Is it bad? There's no reason to believe that they wouldn't. Although they look a little bit weak, doesn't mean that they have any wounds or any sickness. They just look tired. So I unfortunately don't have the right miracle. I have not been blessed yet with a miracle to restore people's conditions from ailments and others. Lesser restoration per se, but I believe that a cleric, a proper cleric on a temple would more likely to have something of the caliber. We just need to get there on time, I think. Do you know what this ailment is? Probably has something to do maybe with the tree? Valid point. I can't think of anything natural, so it's safe to assume that it is an unnatural reason. I mean, they're not like me. Dead, but... You're quite right on that. So, at least that. And you guys continue through the darkness. Mortis is gonna walk up to Flower, and he doesn't say anything for a few seconds, but then eventually he just breaks the silence. So, uh, how do you feel about everything that transpired back there? They're your people. I just... I want to make sure you have some level of comfort, you know? Flower stays silent for a few minutes, processing, and then he shrugs. Um, I guess I'm kind of hopeful. I know change doesn't happen quickly, but I'm still worried. The tribe's still super vulnerable right now, so I don't really know what's gonna happen. I just hope that I'll be able to help them somehow, and I hope that Tom's rest will be willing to help, too. I understand your concerns. Though, from what I saw of Tom's rest and, you know, after hearing the type of guidance that Ringo will give, uh, I have faith that a peaceful resolution will come to pass. Yeah, I hope so. Things are gonna be different, and hopefully they'll change for the better soon. Well, just know that... Whatever trials you will have to go through regarding helping your people, I'll be right there by your side. And then he gives Flower a smile. He smiles back. Thank you. That means a lot. And then Morris doesn't say anything else. He just head pats (laughs) Flower. He shies away from it a little bit, but then he gives a smile back. (laughs) Morris notices you shy away. He's like, oh, sorry, Thorn was liked head pats. Did you not like head pats? Makes me feel short. Well, might take me a bit, but I will learn what makes you happy as well. He smiles back in response and goes quiet again. As I see that Mortis and Flower have finished their conversation, I'm gonna go towards Mortis and just say, uh, Mortis, I was wondering if you could help with something. Oh, uh, of course, Methuselah. Uh, are you all right? You have a bit of a haunted expression. Well, it's not to do with me. It's to do with, uh... And I quiet a bit. Faith and Sir Bradford. Erky noticed that they don't really look well. They look like they're somewhat draining. And, uh, sort of referred to that there might be something wrong. And if we don't do something, well, it might be bad. So, I don't know if you know any spells. It's its a healing thing, I imagine. Erky said something about some sort of restoration. I think it, you know, might have been something to do with the tree causing a corruption that needs to be healed and is slowly draining away. So if you happen to have anything or, or know of it from from Nera, that might be good. Erky said it, it did, you know, a cleric might 
have this spell, but in case you did, it, it might be better. Mortis thinks for a moment, stroking his beard. <laughs> I'm no expert on healing, but I suspected that Faith and Sir Bradford might still be a bit out of sorts. I have vague memories of this spell. I think Nara mentioned something about it to me back in the day. When we get back to the Kobold village, I, I will take a moment of meditation and see if communing with she might grant me any clarity on the matter. I think that would be good, uh, since we do want to take a bit of a rest. This conversation transpires as you guys just reach the doors towards the trophy room, where previously you guys fought a dragon and had a companion fall. Seeker is going to quietly tell Faith and Sir Bradford about the battle with the dragon and little, little Meepo, who tragically fell. Oh no, Seeker. It's, it's so hard to hear. So sorry for you. And then Sir Bradford also says, My condolences to you all. I know how it is to lose a friend, even a short-term friend. Such as Meepo as seems to be, but <laughs> a friend is a friend. I mean, he was kind of the first kobold I ever met, but he was definitely the bravest and the sweetest. He loved to play, and we played a few games together with Thorn and Methuselah, and I, I guess I missed that. I wish we could have all gotten to play together at some point. They nod in, in agreement to what you said. Can we see if the body is still here? You guys open the door towards the room, illuminated by the lantern that you, Mortis, is holding. The place doesn't seem to have changed since you guys last were here. Still, the carcass of the dragon is in the middle of the room. Into the corner, there's still the tarp with the volume underneath that you guys know resides your small friend. Mortis, could I uh, talk to you for a second? Yes, of course. Uh, what is it, Seeker? Do you think that Flower will be okay seeing a potentially partially decayed corpse? I know that Flower didn't know Meepo and Thorn did, but you know, I, I don't want to you know, mess them up with seeing something like this. Yeah. After we've ensured that the body is alright, it might be best to keep it covered as we travel, just for the sake of everyone. I would say the ones with the most experience in these types of things would be either myself or perhaps Methuselah, so we could take charge of it. And I'm sure that Sir Bradford would be able to help you out as well. And Look, what I'm trying to say is that I don't want to see that poor little soul and what, what happened, so I'm going to turn away. That's understandable, my friend. I wouldn't want you to have to face such a horror so soon after it happened. As everyone is getting ready to go into the room, Flower stops at the threshold and seems he can't really move. Erky, who has stayed back a little bit, comes to Flowers and goes, Hey, you okay? I don't know. For some reason, I just can't go in there. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. You need to take a moment. I can be here with you if you need. He gives a sheepish smile. Yeah, sure. Let's stay here for a second. Right. You tell me when we can go in. Yeah, Thorn will stand outside the door off to the side. 
Seeker is also just going to stay with Erky and Flower. Yeah, I'll say Methuselah's probably going to go in with Mortis. You know, death is pretty common. It was always common in Fool's Fortune, so I'm, I know what this is like. Mortis will glance over at Sir Bradford. My friend, uh, I hate to ask such a grim task of you, but would you potentially be able to help with carrying the body? Not that it's heavy, but you know, the, the tarp and all. Of course, yes. Don't worry about me. I can carry it for you. Where is it? Follow me. The rest of you can sit tight just until we take care of everything. I'll take whatever fabric I can get, and then I'm going to turn to Sir Bradford and Mortis and say, I think this might be a little bit easier, you know, to carry the body in. A wise call. Then you guys approach the tapestry with the body underneath, respectfully, but quickly. You guys remove the tapestry, pay a few moments of respect, a few breaths of respect towards your friend, and then cover it with the other cloth. Rap and Sir Bradford easily lifts it. Even though he's breathing heavily, he can still carry that weight just fine. Mortis walks over to Sir Bradford and sort of helps him carry Meepo to make it somewhat less awkward on him. I think all the while we're doing this, Methuselah is also be like silently saying prayers to Luxair and thanking Luxair for having the chance to spend some time on the road with such a small friend. After you guys are ready, you guys wait for the rest of the group to enter. Faith, who was closer to the door but inside of the room, turns to the door and tells to everybody, should be okay to enter now if you guys, if you guys would like to. Flower hesitates. But he, he goes in, but he doesn't linger. He very quickly walks the fastest route from door to door. He doesn't linger. Quickly, Flower crosses the room and opens the door to the other one. Little by little, almost in a line, the rest of you guys converges. And Sir Bradford waits until everybody goes first for him to go last. He just doesn't want people to really have to see him carrying something unless they look back. Mortis is right there next to him, helping him carry Meepo. You guys then proceed forward, bypassing the pitfall that is still open. Then to the rest of the hallways you go. You guys cross the halls and pierce through the darkness, guided by the light of the lantern. Until you finally reach the area where Meepo used to take care of the dragon. This is the crossroads where in one side, there's the door that leads to the entrance area of the Sunless Citadel, and the other side leads towards the little kobold village. What do you guys do? I suppose we head towards the community. Slowly, you guys make your way towards the community of the kobolds within the Sunless Citadel. As we do, I'll say that when we get close, Methuselah's gonna start to play a little sad song for her friend. The Light of the Lantern is now not the only thing that permeates and illuminates the area. Now the melodic music of the hurdy-gurdy takes place as well, attracting the kobolds from their rooms and areas. They recognize you guys as you guys are walking, and they open up the space to allow you to pass through. Where are you guys going exactly? I think it makes the most sense to go to Tripo, bring him back to his family. You guys turn around the corner and make your way towards the big area where the community of the kobolds were. The path is open to you as no kobold stands in your way. Entering the community, 
all of them are somewhat captivated and scared of the music. Through the seriousness, all of them decides to stay. The curiosity is too intense for them to leave. Only those in front of you moves so that you can traverse safely and unimpeded. Probably say too, like when we get into the village, start making our way towards Tripo, that's when I'll actually singing and singing about Nepo and who like helped us and took care of the dragon very well. As you sing, I would like you to do a performance track. 24. The kobolds who were before were so scared of your song, now they are, they're pretty much entranced by it. As you speak the high tale of your adventures with Meepo and how important Meepo was to the outcome of this adventure of yours, that you guys succeeded in your quest, not by saving the dragon, but by making sure that the dragon would not be used against you from the goblins. That was because Meepo by the time that you guys reach Dripple, he is speechless, but he accepts you guys silently. As we get near Tripo's house, Mortis nudges Sir Radford, just silently implying that he can take Meepo from here. And then he personally walks him up to Tripo and gently places him down in front of him. Tribo is a little bit scared of the situation, so as you approach, he allows you to approach, but as you put something down, he instinctively pulls back a little bit, but he doesn't run away. Let the body on the ground step back, and that's the opportunity for Tripo to slowly unveil the body. Not completely, just enough for him to see. But after he sees it, his lips quiver, his eyes starts to glimmer against the light of the lantern, as tears start to fill up, he looks at you guys, confused and saddened above all. But then you guys notice in his little eyes how the dots are connecting between the song and now the body confirming that Meepo is no longer alive. He then just does the one thing that any person at this situation could. He looks at Meepo, failed still, hugs it and starts sobbing out loud. <laughs> Rocking back and forth as if it was the most important thing in the universe. And right now, it is the only thing that matters to Dripo. Slowly and quietly, all the cobalts around Dripo starts to cry as well. As they all see themselves integral to each other. The loss of one is a loss for many. And there's no quarrel, no anger. They just cry. Quietly, Faith approaches Seeker. Maybe we should let them grieve. I, I think I think so too. Could could you tell the rest of the group? I don't I don't think I can. Faith nods gingerly, kindly. She asks everybody to let them grieve. You guys slowly and quietly move away from the community. Right as you exit, it is basically the hallway towards the leader. In front of far. Those with night vision can see the silhouette of the leader sitting on their makeshift throne with two other kobolds there too. You guys slowly approach with heavy steps, not with the weight physically, but due to the weight within your hearts. Methuselah will step up very hesitantly as the last time they were in this room they really couldn't go far in and there's still the visage of the Dark Ward in there, but they'll conjure some sort of bravery and say, Forgive us. We come bearing some bad news. I, I'm sure you've 
already heard what has unfortunately happened to your dear friend. She nods quietly. It is very unfortunate. I am the one that holds the weight of all that are lost. It is not uncommon for us to lose members of our community. But this one holds a lot of weight for some reason. I am told by a member of the community that heard your song that the dragon, at least, is not going to be used against us. Am I correct? Yes, the dragon is no more. Morris will step up next to Methuselah and he'll do the very cordial royal bow as he did the last time we met uh, the leader. I must report it was I who defeated the dragon. I fought this dragon alongside my friends here. I only regret that I wasn't strong enough to defeat it before it could hurt Meepo. My sincerest apologies. And then he'll bow his head. Yes, sir. I'm sorry that we've seem to have failed our quest and we weren't able to protect our friend. She nods hesitantly. At least goblins can't use the dragon against us. That is the only silver lining to this whole situation. Out of all the outcomes that there could have been, this is one of the okay ones. I knew that you offered a, a reward for this. You can have my share. I, I'd like for to go to, you know, your people to try to help them rebuild a better life for yourselves. If you're going to stay down here or find a new home, uh, we have learned that goblins are, are leaving the Citadel, so you'll have this place to your own and you won't have to worry about them, so you can use it to rebuild your family. Her interest shifts as you say those words. And the goblins leaving, is that your doing as well? Somewhat. We are uh, deposed most of their leaders. They have one now, but they're planning on leaving. And you actually helped more than I expected. Although it was not the way that I imagined. But if the goblins are truly leaving, then I think we can thrive. And we might not even need the dragon to lead us. Maybe in the future, when we are strong and many, we could seek another dragon or someone of the knowledge of dragons to guide us to greatness again. But at least now we don't have to worry about surviving. And I thank you for that. If my time with Meepo taught me anything, it's that your people carry a great resolve, stronger than even you know. It is my humble opinion that you do not need a dragon to lead you. Your destiny can be your own, and you can lead your people to greatness. I think what my friend here is saying is true. I have experience with dragon leaders, and most of the leaders that I've seen have been quite cruel and oppressive. Instead of helping kobolds become the best that they can, they take advantage of them. They take advantage of the resolve, the determination, the strength, all these good things that I think would make your people so much stronger if you came together and faced the world on your own. You as a collective force could frighten a dragon. I agree with my friend here. And, you know, if there's no reward, perhaps instead of favor, you know, try to find your own way before looking for another leader. They take it into consideration what you're saying, especially considering how quiet she gets. But then she looks at you and goes, although it's difficult to really think of an outcome outside of the guidance and greatness of our Lord deities, we have survived this long without their guidance. I think I understand what you guys mean by it. 
hopefully we will thrive enough to prove you right. I recognize that it is difficult to comprehend all at once, but all we ask is that you consider our words as you move forward. She nods and says, that I can do. At least as a thanks for you guys caring for Meepo, despite the outcome. And to bring him back to us and his family. She stands and turns around, grabbing the key that is at the mouth of the sculpted head figure of the Dark Warden. Meanwhile, the other kobold that has a makeshift fake wings grabs the chest on top of the altar. Very small chest. It's like bigger than their own chest size. They give the chest to Mortis and she gives the key to you, Methuselah. We always respect our agreements. And although it was not what we asked, it turned out much better than we expected. And I'm sure Meepo would want this too. Thank you. She sits again on her throne. Inside of the chest that you guys open, there are five items. A singular vial, small, but of a reddish liquid. There is a small paper rolled up and three gold coins. Methuselah's gonna take a gold coin and put it in a little bag and then give it back to the kobolds. Because I said I didn't want a reward. I said I'd want to give my reward back. She nods, signals for the kobold with the f- fake wings to grab it from you. Flower has been shying behind the others up until this point, not really wanting to intrude on the kobold village. He has an understanding that this is someone that he was close to because he feels pain thinking about Meepo, but doesn't completely remember everything. He taps Methuselah's leg when Methuselah comes back over, and he hands Methuselah ten gold coins to give the kobolds on his behalf, because he doesn't want to scare them. Methuselah accept and give the gold. She accepts it. This is, um, from a very close friend of Meepo. Point at Thorn, make it obvious that I'm- Oh look, it's gesture in the direction very subtly, like it was his goblin who did this nice thing. She looks, and then a very confused look washes off her face. Did Meepo befriend your prisoner? The flower's not a prisoner. Uh, we assume that since you fought the goblins on the way down to find the dragon, then you must have taken a prisoner too. No, this goblin is actually family. Oh, that's different? Yes. Is it an outside goblin? Yes. And is Trepo okay with that? I don't- I didn't meet Trepo. I'm assuming yes. She nods, still very confused. Alright, um, what's name? Well, Trepo knew him as a Nepo. Used to go by Thorn, but now goes by Flower. The leader of the Cobalt's gestures for you to approach. Flower slowly approaches, trying to make himself look as unimposing as possible. When you approach close enough, you do see the tension on the Cobalt's beside the leader. The leader doesn't show the same tension, but she has a serious glare. Is that of one who holds authority and respect. Nepo and Flowers now. Trepo has accepted you as one of his own? Flower nods. Uh, yes, me and Meepo were close before was killed. I see. I first have to apologize, as our relationship with goblins overall are not the best. And at most, we have been hurt. 
but also herded a lot of goblins. In the end, please do not take offense as it is easy for us to go over some pains caused by the goblins and some feelings that there might still be amongst us community. But she stands up. You have been recognized by one of us as family. By Kobodoa, you are family to us all. Flower nods, uh, obey a little awkwardly, and goes, Thank you. I appreciate that. And as by Kobodoa, you have the right and the privilege of being among us, resting, eating, copulating, as any Kobold is deserved and entitled to. We share the spoils as if we all were one, and we expect the best from each other, for we are all one person, one cobalt. She approaches you and hugs you as an acceptance. As she lets you go, you are welcome to come and go as you wish. Just please keep in mind the safety of the community with said privileges and rights. You also are expected some things. One is to keep it safe, the community, as you would like to be safe yourself. And second, to strengthen the community as best as you can. As one of outside that was accepted within the community, we do not expect you to stay with us unless you wish to do so. But do not ever forget that you can be, that you are one of us, and you have a place here. Welcome, Nepo Flower. Flower nods and goes, Thank you. I have to go right now, but that I can return and bring some nice things to this community. Of course, thank you for your help, for the small fortune you gave us. You're already strengthening the community as it is. She then comes back and sits on her throne. this episode of the Sullen Citadel. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts and be sure to catch the next installment of the Sullen Citadel every Thursday on 12 p.m. EST. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a review. It's a small way to show your appreciation and support that goes a very long way. To connect with us, follow our social media accounts. And if you like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon to join the conversation, view sneak peeks of Annette's project, and discover our fantastical bonus content. Our intro score was created by Patrick Corton from Off the Beaten Path musical. The Silent Citadel can be found in Tales of the Yawning Portal, the book by Wizards of the Coast. The World of Nosamundas was created by Pedro Stockler. Thanks very much for listening for all of us here at the Storytellers Tavern, and by Lyrta. Guide us out of here. <laughs> <laughs>